Blog Talk Radio. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Hello and welcome to Change Already. As most of you have found out, if you've been listening in the past, I can't stay in one place way too long. It's like if I don't get out and about in the world and see what's going on, I get so antsy and bored. I'm sure the rest of you can relate to that. So today I decided during my little mini vacation that I would broadcast live from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I know it's hard work I do out here, but somebody has to do it, so it might as well be me. Last week, I finished up a series that I was calling The Preacher's Daughters, and we were talking specifically about the show on Lifetime and my perspective as a minister's daughter. I never liked that word preacher, by the way, P.S. Anyway, so you'll probably hear me call it minister's daughter, but it's a preacher's daughter. And I was supposed to finish up that series and have a guest named Delilah at Imagine Publicity. And I've talked about the infamous Delilah so many times, I figured since I'm down in Myrtle Beach and close to her area that she could be the guest this week. And we had it all laid out. If you recall, I was going to talk about brand imaging and publicity because she is my publicist and she does a remarkable job. But between the last time that we were on air together and this time, again, something has happened. And the great thing about live radio is I'm able to tap into what's going on and keep my finger on the pulse along with the rest of the people that I work with and grabbing hold and talking about topics that are out there. And unfortunately, this is a sad consequence that has happened since the last week, Thursday, the minister of the Saddleback Church. Now, I'm not sure if any of you are aware of it. It's one of those big mega churches, I believe, out in California, and the pastor's name is Rick Warren. Well, between the last time and now, his son committed suicide. Last week I was talking about that it wasn't really crazy that they were concentrating just on daughters because it does affect the entire family of of ministers' kids and preachers' kids. And in this respect, this young boy took his life last week. And there's, of course, a plethora of information about all perspectives. And, of course, everybody's getting on the bandwagon and talking about religious spirituality and death. And apparently this young boy had mental illness. So I wanted to bring Delilah in because she has some kind of information that we've talked about back and forth, and we're going to have a discussion and explore that whole religious part of it one more time, and then I'm pretty sure we'll be able to close it this week, but I thought it was imperative that we honor this young boy's life not only as a young boy that 
suffered from continuous mental illness, which is a whole other topic, but also had the same kind of background that we've been talking about the last couple weeks, which is a preacher's kid. So hello, Delilah. I wish we were talking about better things, but I think it's essential that we bring this topic up, don't you think? I do, Jillian, and I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, Oh, thank you. You know, I can't wait to get together with you and and have some fun. Um, But, yeah, this really kind of bothered me when I first saw the articles um, on the Internet. And, you know, there again, this is one of the, um, oh, the things that we talk about. The Internet is sort of a two-edged sword. You have so much good that comes out of it. But on the other hand, everything is so instantaneous, people's, tend to form opinions very quickly and it is very divisive because, you know, not everybody's going to agree. And I had seen, and I I really can't tell you where it was, but I had seen some really derogatory comments towards this tragedy in the Warren family and it, it really kind of bothered me, which is why I suggested to you that we talk about it. And, you know, I'm coming to the table from the other side of the pulpit where you can bring your insight from, you know, the perspective of growing up in the fishbowl of of a preacher's family. When we were talking about the Internet and, and that is your expertise, I mean, you have a real handle on that, and I think you're right. Let's expand that whole idea. I was taken back myself from the other side of the table, about how cruel the public could be about the minister's family and a kid and some of the vicious, and I mean vicious things, Delilah, that they were talking about minister's kids and how they keep secrets. Like apparently this family, the Rick Warren family, has been dealing with this on and off in this young boy's life since he's been here, and I think he's around 27, so it it has a, a lineage to it. But I was sad because people have this perception of our families being in the public eye, and it's like living in a fishbowl, like you said. And one of the comments that he made that, that really struck me, and this is true, is that the only the closest people in the inner workings of his church family and the church the family himself knew of this child's mental illness which struck me so hard because we have this idea and you can speak to this the live from the other side that we have to be these impeccable role models and that if we don't show the public this clear vision of what impeccability in religious life and in daily life looks like, then we were flawed. Well, I think you're absolutely right. It's, when you're a part of a congregation, the the pastor and and his family and their relationships actually it goes even deeper because we look to those relationships as an example of how we should be attaining to live our own lives, whether it's in the spiritual sense or whether it's just in our daily lives. This is the example if you're active in, you know, in your church family, 
This is the example that you obtain. This is what you want to be. So when bad things happen to good people, we as the congregation know how to react to that. And, you know, I don't know whether this is kind of across the board with church um, with church congregations or whether we see it more in the larger congregations because they're so very public and everything that they do is scrutinized in one way or another. So if you put a stumble, it, it's more than a stumble of just an everyday man out there. I think we can use Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart as examples of, of that happening. Um, so when when those stumbles in their lives and, you know, yes, they have sinned, but who are we to be the ones who pass judgment on that particular sin or offer forgiveness? What What is our role? What is our role as the congregation um, or people out here as believers? What is our role when these kind of things happen in a church family? here am I still on Julia hey Delilah yes are you there I couldn't hear anything from your side I I know I I think we're still on. I'm sorry about that. All, all of a sudden, I was just off. Okay. <laughs> Could you hear me? Um, not really. So where were you at? What were you talking about? <laughs> I was talking about how how some of the the very, very public preachers have stumbled in their lives and how media catches on to it and and the public at large catches on to everything that they've done, bringing the example of Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart into the mix. And how are are we as a congregation expected to react to something like that? And I don't understand why these people at some level have gotten the idea that we – somehow as as i call it spiritual royalty are not subject to the same lows and highs and in this case mental illness as the rest of the world and community i don't know where they got that idea other than they just want us to be different and when it's almost like the glass shatters on a perfect image when something like this breaks through, which leads me into this next quote that I got from this woman. Apparently, she her name is Rebecca Lyons. I'm sorry, I don't know a lot of these people. I kind of stay in my own lane with my own spirituality. But what I what she said was Christians, she was encouraging Christians not to link mental illness with spiritual weakness. Mm -hmm. And I think that was such a profound statement because I really do believe and understand what she's saying when 
there's things that happen that happen in normal lives every day, but yet it's so pronounced and exaggerated in in a system like the minister's family. That is just dumbfoundery to me. I don't get it. Do you have any insights to that? Not really, other than, you know, like I say, I think there's a hierarchy there that we figure the minister, the pastor, has a hotline to God. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's exactly you know, what. I, that's really not not the way it is. We all have our own hotline, but I guess we feel like the ministers are plugged in a little more, and then that rubs off on their children in some way. Yes, that we vicariously get the same gift. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so ironic because you talk to somebody and who are, who are the two people that they always say are the most naughtiest kids growing up? It's the minister's kids and the police officer's kids. And the minister's kids are the ones that are doing the naughty stuff of spiritual, whatever, and religious against the rules. And the police officer's kids are the ones that are doing things against the public rules. So it's like you've got the police the police officers doing the human things and breaking the rules, kids, and then you got the religious kids like myself and this young man that hurt himself and ultimately took his life, that we are breaking religious rules. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a quandary to me of why people think both of those things are that we're not just normal human beings. Well, I think society as a whole is going to hold you to a higher standard. And whether that's fair or not, that's the way it is. There is a higher standard that you have to live up to. And maybe you can to the to the pressures of being held to that standard. And I'm sure that you know, Rick Warren's son felt those same pressures and maybe even more so. Well, yeah, because like last week on the show, I talked about the three pressures. You've got the family pressure, of course, which everyone can relate to. And then you've got the religious pressure, pressure, which, you know, and being in the front all the time. But, you know, how is that different, really, if you're living with a very religious community that they all expect all the children to live up to the religious expectations and rules and boundaries. And then you have a community. So, you know, those three elements are active in everyone's life, but it seems to be more concentrated on this area. You know, a couple years ago when Jim Baker, remember that? I remember you brought him up earlier and what a travesty that was and all the money and everything else. But what's so fascinating about that and in the book Beyond the Pews that I wrote I talk about ministers kids and preachers kids going one of two directions. They either go towards drugs and alcohol and just go completely off the deep end with it. One of those adages, I'm going to show you if you think I'm a bad kid, let me really show you how bad of a kid you are. Or you've got the other side that goes totally over into the same genre where they end up becoming a minister and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of stayed in the middle zone. But what was fascinating about Jim Baker's son, he has a book out, and he had been trying to start a church of his own after the whole 
uh, collapse of the system of Jim Baker, and he had trouble redoing his own church and getting back into the same community he was because he had a new vision for the church. You know, he was not doing the same kind of vision, and I think he's out on the East Coast now, and I think... You know, there's some elements to this young man's life, of course. It's being reported that he may have some sexual, you know, different connotations that don't line up with the religious faction of what he was a part of. So, you know, you add all these layers upon layers that's hard enough as a normal kid, and then you add it on top of being a minister's kid. It's like a setup from the get-go. And well, how does how does the congregation and the and the the minister's family as they come together within the church? There's there's got to be a system set up within the church that there there are trusted people that help each other when times like this go bad. Is, do you feel that that's still a strength of the church, or do you think that's kind of gone by the wayside too? Well, you know, and that's the reality that we were talking about with the Internet. One of the things that I believe in a community of church is everyone pays our salary. It's it's by the grace of God and the people that you work for. So when you have a group of people in a community like that, they also believe with that financial commitment comes a vote and that they have a right to interpret and say whatever they want, whenever they want, to the family and the minister's family. And I think that's become more exaggerated now because when you add the Internet to it, they can do it, you know, anonymously, and they're in that inner circle. And, you know, everybody has their own perceptions, but I think... The part that's really unique about it is that you learn to become very good secret keepers. Mm. And as the Rick Warren said in his own words, that there was only a select few people. So whether the community is more availed to talk about it or be helpful, Delilah, the other part is we don't disclose. Yeah, it's you know, in, in the years that I worked with Susan, it's kind of the same thing in an abuser's family, in, in her own family. Exactly. People don't always know what's going on behind closed doors, no matter how innocent or how ugly it can be. And it's very difficult for the secret keepers and the children of the secret secret keepers to reach out into the community for the help that they really need. And the problem is that the bigger the church, the more the problems. Mm -hmm. So when you have a minister like the size of my father's church and this mega church thing, there is people with issues 24 hours a day. And you are on call 24 hours a day for other people's issues. And that's your job. You know, people think it's a Sunday morning deal and then you turn it off. It's around the clock. So what happens with all of that is that they're they're empty 
as parents, as a minister, as a parent, they're empty by the time they get to you because they've been working with so many other people's issues. And it's different than a counselor because, you know, a counselor has parameters. You know, you can call me from this time, you can call me from that time. Majority of the time, ministers have an open-door policy. So people were coming in and out of my house with humanistic issues that were just devastating all the time. So there really isn't that much time for the children in this structure because there's nothing left. And the other part oh, of the I can, story yeah, is... I can understand that. And talking, you, I had a really good conversation uh, last week with uh, Neil Shorey. And yes. what we were talking about was the time frame, as as everyone knows, he worked very closely with Susan Murphy Milano in developing the evidentiary abuse affidavit. And his church is set up as a safe haven for victims of abuse. They can come there, receive counseling, do the, the EAA, and, um, you know, hopefully save their own lives. So... The conversation was, how long does it take to do something like this? And he said, you know, you might not think about it, but it took, the last one he did took from 9 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he said it's a very emotional, very tough time. So here I'm thinking about all of this and what we're talking about, and here this this poor guy is at the end of the day, he's listened to this woman's, you know, every deep problem. She's she's regurgitating her own secrets to him and confiding in him. He's offering her counseling. Um so you're right. At the end of the day you're spent. And They're what spent. can you take home with you? What can you take home to your family? Well you and the problem is they can Exactly, I'm sorry. And they call you. I mean, you're on call all the time. So it's not like, like I talked about last week, it can separate. So when you add a child like Rick Warrens, who had some mental issues to begin with, which probably what took a lot of people's time and effort to keep him, you know, alive as long as they did, who knows the situation, but that in of itself is a 24-hour job for parents that don't have a congregation that needs the same exact thing. Right. It's it's a very hard place for a child to be, and it's very stressful. And, you know, the reality is you know who these people are. You know their issues because they come, they're around, and that's a heavy burden for any child to carry these. And you kind of grow up to a certain extent a little jilted because all you ever hear about, but then you see the celebrations of church. So it's this yo-yo effect between devastation of what you were talking about with Dr. with uh, Reverend Shuley, and then you go to the celebration. Right. And I, I, I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask you a question about you know we talked about this keeping the secrets. Is, is it 
you know, how much business is it of ours as a congregation or as just people out here in the public? How much do we really have to know about their family dynamic anyway? It's none of our business. It's like, you know, we don't want to air our own dirty laundry out there for everyone to see. Why would we think that a minister's family would be any different, that they have the same rights as we do to to keep their own stuff inside their own family, wouldn't you think? I I completely agree with that, but look at the enamored way that people see famous people on a regular basis. They want to know every detail, where they eat, who they hang out with, what they did, what they, you know, and at some level the churches elevate these families to a level of publicness. And when you're in the public eye, you do by default have this inquisitiveness by people on the outside. And I'm not sure what the intrigue is. I don't know, Delilah. I mean, my family was no different than any other family. My father just happened to be in this career. But you're right. I don't understand but for some reason, people like to see the dark as well as the light in these structures because then at some level it makes their lives look okay too. I don't know. No, I, I have to agree with you there. I think that's any amount of celebrity that you might have. You're going to always have the people we call the haters. They come out from the dark side, it seems. And they're just waiting, you know, sitting there waiting for something bad to happen, and then they jump on it. And well, look at the egregious things they've been—the egregious things they've been writing about Rick Warren and his family. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect example of what we're talking about. It's like, how in the world could people write that thing? whether it's a minister's family or not, and in the public eye, why do that? Because they can. Exactly. Because they can hide behind the anonymous, anonymous, whatever it is. They can be anonymous on the Internet. And I think, you know, you see this all over social media and especially in, in cases like this where people have no problem writing there's no filter. There's no filter there where someone looks you face-to-face or looks you in the eye. Uh, you would definitely not say the things that they type on the Internet. And I think a lot of that is is what we're seeing. I would say the majority of the comments that I saw were very um, consoling. Um, you know, even one that I was very surprised had, was a confessed atheist. And, you know, they were very wrote some very consoling words to the family. So it it it's got to stretch not just from the church body but from the human body. It has to stretch that we care enough about another human being who is by no fault of his own put in this situation where he's grieving for the loss of his child, which I I can't imagine. Um I think it would be the worst thing that would happen to anyone. So Unfortunately, he's in the fishbowl, and it's it's just an unfortunate situation all the way around. 
And, you know, I think a lot of these people are using their deep-seated disrespect that they have, for better lack of words, against the religious organizations right now and attacking it in the back door through this tragedy to get to the bigger issue of being a mister and a religion and whatever goes with that. So I think that's a part of the issue, too. We're almost done But I wanted to thank you, Delilah. This is a great discussion. I hope that people think things through when they go to start posting on the Internet. And you're right, I found a lot of most consoling things as well, which that's a hopeful note. It is. It's very hopeful. And we're all human beings. We just have to remember that and you know, not hold people up to such a high standard and not try to bring them down when they are. And I want to add that I add my condolences as a minister's daughter and a preacher's daughter, not only to Rick Warren himself, but the whole community and the loss of his son. Like you said, it's a loss of a son, but it's also a part of the religious community that's in mourning. So I want to send out my condolences to them as well. One program note I want to go over before the show's over. Tonight, um, I'm going to be on Detox Radio with Denise Brown and Danielle Pierce talking about Beyond the Pews and going into more spiritual things about the book and what it's about and, and how we can use it in our daily life. And that runs tonight at 6 Pacific time or 7 eastern time and the name of it is detox radio and you can find it on the internet just look up denise brown daniel pierce or detox radio and i will be on there for their show this evening so thanks again delilah it was wonderful to have you and i can't wait for us to get together and have some fun <laughs> me too we'll see show. each other thank you, thank you, you. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already.